This afternoon we're going to start the equanimity practice. Since now we have established a basis of loving-kindness which can really infuse our equanimity practice, we'll be able to do this practice with um, really understanding that we're coming from a place of deep caring. (coughs) So equanimity, as I spoke about the other evening, implies, or even in the word equanimity, we can see that it means balance. And it means this kind of balance that is infused with metta, infused with loving-kindness. We will actually be able to feel when we're in that place of equanimity that it is within this uh, mind and heart of calm, of quietude. So when the mind is settled, when there's some steadiness there, we can feel some deep balance that uh, the, the mind and heart aren't veering towards reactivity. So just to refresh your memories about uh, the opposite of equanimity, that is reactivity. And reactivity manifests in a couple of ways. It's aversion to what is happening either outside outer events or inner events or attachment to what is happening, Uh, either, again, outer events or the inner events, our inner world. And oftentimes in practicing equanimity, we may feel that reactivity in our own hearts. And so I'm going to present uh, this practice in a way which enables us to turn the attention to our own hearts and develop equanimity there also. Say, for example, maybe we have a memory of something that happened to us in our lives or maybe a fear about something that may happen. Uh, To develop, first, to develop equanimity about that thought, about that situation, perhaps, that happened. But perhaps already some reactivity has arisen in one's mind, has arisen in one's heart. And it's important to learn to develop equanimity about that place of reactivity in our own hearts, in our own minds. And oftentimes this is very much a key to developing a deep sense of balance is learning how to be balanced about what's going on in our own hearts, in our own minds. So with each individual, as I go through the list of individuals, maybe we won't finish it today, but as I go through the list of individuals, I'll uh, turn our attentions first to possible event in the world, a situation in our, that we're facing in our lives that we know we need to bring up to develop equanimity around. So we'll ponder on that and use some equanimity understandings to incline the mind to equanimity about that situation. But then as a second step, I'd like to uh, bring our attention to what's going on in our hearts, in our minds about that situation so that we can face like the attitude of our own minds and hearts. 
and be able to not get so riled up about that because oftentimes a lot of our suffering is about how we've just felt, how we have just reacted about something. So the development of equanimity can take place more fully by learning it with regard to outer events and understanding how to incline the mind with regard to inner events. So both outer and inner events in the development of equanimity. So as we all know just from our down-to-earth experience, equanimity means not being thrown off by the events of the world, either the outer events or the inner events, and to maintain some kind of broad perspective, some kind of balance of mind, some kind of steadiness when uh, we're faced with the ups and downs of our life, the praise and blame, the gain and loss, the joy and sorrow, etc. So all of these ups and downs, these vicissitudes, uh, are something that we all go through. It's universal. You might have your own categories, more specific. And we know that we don't control those events. We don't control those events because simply they've already happened. It's not like, you know, they've already happened and we can go back and do it all over again. I mean, maybe a lot of times we have the same situations coming together and we can uh, have another chance to do it in another way. But in terms of when something has already arisen and uh, we, we know that we have a certain habit pattern of reactivity to how things are going on environmentally or politically, for example, or even in our own social circles, in our own community, or nearby in our own family, how we get triggered by this and that. The event has already happened, and something has already come up in our hearts uh, about that event. It's important to develop equanimity in on both levels, on the level in relationship to the event in and of itself and in relationship to what our own hearts are doing about that situation, in relationship to that situation. When we're balanced and calm and we can have confidence about how our hearts will respond to situations beyond our control, inner or outer events. This is what deepens the effect of equanimity, when we can have confidence, when we can have a sense of the, a habit pattern that's being developed that we can rely on. Most of the time, we can't rely on the old habit patterns. And so uh, this practice of equanimity is really developing a new habit pattern a habit pattern that we can eventually uh, have confidence in and rely on. Last night, Steve spoke about karma and talked about karma in terms of intentions. And we know that intentions that are accompanied by wholesome state of mind uh, produces uh, pleasant effects or produces effects that 
we feel in harmony with, we feel at ease with. Intentions that are accompanied by unwholesome state of mind produce unpleasant effects or effects that when we live within them, we don't feel a sense of harmony. There's disharmony in our hearts. There's, there's disharmony around us. So what we're doing when we practice, when we develop equanimity, is we're developing this more spontaneous response to inner and outer events where those intentions uh, to act and to speak can more automatically, more naturally be accompanied by a wholesome state of mind. And that wholesome state of mind is balance. It is equanimity. Equanimity is a very powerful and strong wholesome state of mind. So with that intention, that karma that is being produced as a response to events in the world, then this is the creation of our future. And this is what we will then live into in our lives, that, that future that is uh, harmonious inwardly and outwardly. So the function of this equanimity is to be able, with that balanced quietude of mind, to be able to experience and to see things impartially, impartially. So that in that impartiality, there's a lot of clarity, there's a lot of steadiness of mind, and one is able to have the space to act and speak in a way that creates harmony instead of harm. It's said that the proximate cause uh, for uh, equanimity to arise is to understand the laws of cause and effect, to really understand them, to understand that actions bear results. Even though when the results are experienced in the here and now, we can't understand where they came from. They're imponderable, as Steve spoke about last night. They're mysterious. But actions do bear results. We can see that in a very short period of time in our lives, just when we say something, how it affects others, how it affects our own heart. And we may not be able to see it over a whole lifetime or over multi-lifetimes, but we know that even for short periods of time, this is true. Actions bear results. So the proximate cause for equanimity to arise is that understanding that actions bear results. And with that understanding, hopefully we we just learn to be more careful. We learn to give more space before we say or do anything. We learn to develop equanimity about the outer event. We learn to develop equanimity about the inner event of the inner world, and then we have more uh, reliance, deep reliance on ourselves, that we're not acting out of unwholesome habit patterns. So the phrases now, the phrases are not well-wishing. In metta, the phrases are wishing well to, uh, may you be happy, may you be free from any harm, may you be healthy, etc. 
it's a completely different um, way when we do the equanimity phrase. These phrases are more like recognitions. They're more like understandings this, that we understand in ourself. So, in other words, when we go like to the benefactor, we're not saying, in this equanimity practice, we're not saying, may you be equanimous, because we're developing equanimity in our own hearts. So we're using a phrase like the, uh, the traditional phrases, all beings are owners of their actions. And I'll give you the long phrase, but we can shorten it. All beings are owners of their actions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes. And you can shorten that by just saying all beings are owners of their actions. And I like to um, put out for those people who are get a little bit confused about karma to just say all beings have their own journey. We can really understand that, that we can't really control their journey. So all beings have, uh, have their own way of life, their own way in life. And we can't ultimately control it um, with our parents, with our children. We can do what it means, what that understanding means is that, of course, we do everything we can to show our love, to give our help and to do what we can. And sometimes that means refraining from doing what we can because it might be too much. We do what we can, but then we have to let go of the result. The, those people that were developing equanimity around may still continue to be the way that they're being. They may continue to bring themselves harm or may continue to be in health situations that they're in or whatever difficult mind states that they're in, that phrase is saying, that is not in my control. That's not in my ultimate control. And we may think it is, but it's really not in our control. So with that phrase, it's meaning to say that um, the reactivity that we might have, attachment, if we're having trouble with that, it it may mean that we've got attachment to some result, that we think that somehow that person will be better or get better or will be in a better harmonious relationship or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it isn't always true, and most times it isn't true at all, that uh, we can't, if we have that attachment to result, which is the far enemy of um, equanimity, then we suffer. There's already one person suffering, so for us to suffer, it doesn't help. It's better to develop that equanimity. I'm not saying this from having accomplished that at all. It's a lot of work (laughs) to do this practice. So I like to say all beings have their own journey. I have four children and five grandchildren, and I'm practicing all the time <laughs> with them. What you know that now I have a 16-year-old who just got her own job and is out at all hours, and um, that's my grandchild. And then I have, you know, children who have um, 
difficult health problems. So it is, it is something that we can develop. It is something where there can be a measure of equanimity that gives our hearts a little more rest about life. The big um, phrase is, this is how it is right now. This is what people tend to use in daily life. You know, when you're just in the middle of a traffic jam or somebody out of condition, somebody yells obscenities in your face. And of course you have to protect yourself and present those boundaries that are necessary for you. But at the same time, it's like, it, it happened. <laughs> this is how it is right now. And gain that equanimity in one's heart so that one can take the action that's necessary. So sometimes um, there's a simple phrase that inclines the mind towards equanimity, which is, may I open to this experience, either the outer or the inner experience, may I open to this experience with equanimity. So it's like, in a way, it's like calling forth that, or um, uh, it is inclining the mind, just as, just as there is an intention to move the body, there can be an intention to move the mind. And these are like intentions. May I open my heart with equanimity to this situation. So you can consider it again as an intention, a wholesome intention that will carry you through situations inner and out, inwardly and outwardly. So the near enemy, I've mentioned the far enemy of um, reactivity, which includes ill will or, um, or uh, aversion. It includes greed or attachment both of those. And the near enemy is apathy, uh, just not caring at all. Equanimity is with a full heart of caring. Apathy is not caring. There's kind of a distance or just not wanting to face it. Uh, indifference. Uh, sometimes we, we may feel that it's kind of a turning away. So this near enemy has a lot to do with ignorance with ignoring, and the far enemy has a lot to do with greed and hatred. So there you have the, the three uh, kind of root difficulties of, of this human life. So in this day, I'll be giving uh, more reminders than usual, but it just to help you to get on track with the practice and to um, really infuse your own heart to make those pathways in your heart that will you'll be able to go to spontaneously and naturally when faced with difficult situations so we're we're going to be bringing up these situations in our practice here today so um, adjust your posture so that you have a posture of balance
and we tune into our heart center, to that place of caring and loving kindness that equanimity is infused with. The platform of equanimity is loving kindness. So with all of these phrases, even though they may seem very objective and straightforward, they're infused with care and compassion. So tuning into that place of our hearts and breathing in and out from that place. We begin with the neutral person. In this practice, it is the easiest person to begin with, mainly because we're not so close to this one. So choose the one maybe that you've chosen before in metta, someone familiar to you. And establish your connection however you do. And with this person, we reflect on the fact that all beings experience gain and loss, pleasure and pain. All beings experience these highs and lows of life, including this one. All beings have their own journey. can say that phrase or whatever is similar. All beings are owners of their actions. Notice how your heart-mind is with this. Is there some sense of inner balance? And if not, that's how it is in your heart also, whatever is happening. Just having touched into that person, we move on to the next one, a dear friend. It could be a family member. If it's easier to start out with a benefactor, then start there. 
choose someone relatively easy that you can practice your equanimity with. Having a clear sense of who this is. Take some time to reflect on this person's life or a particular part of this person's life. Knowing some area of gain or loss, pleasure or pain, sickness or health with this person. And in this practice, it's okay to think. You can think about this. Reflect on this. And then use a phrase that may help to incline the heart towards equanimity. All beings have their own journey. This is how it is in your life right now. All beings are owners of their actions. And now turning our attention to our own hearts and minds. What's going on in there about this person, about their situation, 
what's happening to our own hearts. Is there grief or aversion or happiness, attachment? Just noticing and developing equanimity around our own heart's response. This is how it is in my own heart right now. May I open to this with equanimity. Now moving on to the next individual. It could be a benefactor. It could be a dear friend, whichever you choose. A family member. Have a clear sense of who this is as much as possible. And let yourself reflect on this person's life, whatever is going on for him or her. Might be their life in general or a particular part of their life. All beings have their own journey. This 
just how it is for you right now. Now turning our attention to our own hearts. Noticing what's going on there in relationship to that person. What is the underlying attitude of our own mind and heart? May I open to this with balance. This is how it is right now.
Now we move on to the difficult person. Having a sense of who that is and then reflecting on this person's life or situation about this person. All beings are owners of their actions. Now turning our attention to our own hearts. This is how it is in my heart right now. Putting some space around one's heart. Giving it a big space. All beings have their own journey.
Now moving on to the last one, oneself. Taking some time to reflect on a part of our own lives where we know we could use more balance, inner balance, Just really facing it, giving it a big space to be as it is. This is the unfolding of my life. This is how it is. Pleasure and pain arise and pass away. May I open with equanimity to my life and its unfolding events. Now tuning in to more closely to our hearts. What is the attitude in our hearts regarding our life? The happiness, the sorrow, the frustration or fulfillment. May I open to all this with equanimity. Coming to a close with this practice. And bringing the difficult person 
back up into our hearts along with the benefactor and the dear friend and the neutral person that we just worked with. And doing the best we can to offer all of them impartially our loving kindness. May you all be safe and protected from all harm. May wisdom and compassion guide your way. May you all be happy and peaceful. And then expanding to include everyone here in the room. May all beings here be safe on their inner and outer journeys. All beings on the land here, the human beings and animal beings and the creatures. May your home always be protected and safe. May you all be peaceful. Remembering our families bringing them into our metta circle. Our loved ones, our friends. May your hearts be at ease through the changing conditions of your life. May all beings in all directions, without exception, those known and unknown, near and far, may all beings everywhere be happy, be peaceful, be liberated. Those of you who'd like to go on to do the walking or you have a yogi job, please go ahead. Yeah, thank you. And then I'll...
take some time for some questions, if you have any. Yeah. The long one? Mm-hmm. All beings are owners of their actions, which you can also say intentions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. Yeah. You can just say the first part of that to represent the rest of it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can't rec- reconcile those two? It's more inside myself. It's hard to reconcile this quality of the self-aware 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 Yeah, there might, there might be a part in there you said, there's nothing I can do about it. But actually there is something we can do about it. We can do something about it now. What's already happened is already the, re- the resultant karma. It's already arisen. It's already played out. So that's how it is. It's a given, right? Even though we don't understand or we we may not need to or want to understand how that came about. It's already a given. We can't do anything about that. But we can do something about how we respond to what has happened. And how do you reconcile the desire and intention to respond to teaching the body on that level with equanimity? Yeah, I guess I'm saying it's hard yeah, we do, so, we do everything we can without attachment to result or with lessening attachment to result. Yeah. So, of course, as human beings, we will have, you know, we really want it to come true <laughs> that they be happy and they be peaceful. And um, as human beings, we still offer that. We still do everything we can but when we have some attachment to the result of our wish, then that is suffering, cause of suffering within us. Yeah. So that's probably the piece there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it um, easier to actually do that, let go of the result. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. 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 They get the conditions are so overwhelming sometimes that it's easy to. I'm not saying that this is what you're saying, but for me, it's easy to close down, and it's just too much, you know. Sometimes, uh, you how to infuse it with metta? Use some metta in your phraseology. Use or use some compassion. Sometimes yogis give me their phrases that help them. And so one of them that's been given to me a lot is, I care about, I care about the world. I care about you. I'll do everything I can. Uh, and th- things are the way they are. You can, you can put your equanimity phrase with your compassion phrase, with your metta phrase to help put your mind there. So it it kind of, again, it's uh, all these kind of phrases are intentions. So it it can incline the mind there. Mm -hmm. Can you please repeat your, um, may I be at ease phrase? That was so great. Oh, the last phrase? May you be at ease with the changing conditions of your life. That actually, within that's a metaphrase, but that is that's a metaphrase infused with equanimity. Yeah, that true. phrase, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have the opposite. Well, opposite, but very different. I've been doing well on the ozone amendment and then staying here. Yeah. Yeah, right. If you feel overwhelmed, but eventually we will have to, if this is a good time, it's the middle of the retreat, it's about time we start facing what we're going to get out to the world with. So it is good that you touch into that. But if you feel overwhelmed right now, it's good to go back to where you feel a safety net, where you can feel some safety. So it's totally okay for you to go back to metta a little bit. If that's where you you can feel, maybe that's where you get some equanimity there, you know, with some metta. That's okay. And then every once in a while, touch into the equanimity about the situation here, about your, this heart, your own heart situation. Yeah. If, by the way, I'm glad that you said that, because if, by the way, you bring up a situation in equanimity, we'll do it one more time tomorrow, yeah, and it feels too overwhelming, then immediately go to what you're feeling in your own heart. You know, stay away from pondering on that situation. If it's overwhelming, if it's really overwhelming, uh huh. Stay with it if you have the energy, if you have the mental energy to stay with it, then stay with it. Otherwise, you know, you'll develop the pattern. If you don't go there, eventually you'll develop 
the habit pattern to go away from it. So you really want to try to move towards it when you have the mental energy for it. Yeah. This. I'm having a little bit of trouble with the categories of people. Um, like when you say, think of a dear friend, I think of somebody, someone and then I go, but they're kind of difficult. And, and, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yes. Yeah. Well, with that situation, you just take into account that, yeah, our friends are difficult, (laughs) our family members are, but it's not like you're having a big fight with them or argument with them. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, that's, those are the people that are most difficult, you know, the ones closest to us. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I was hoping somebody would say that, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I can't say everything right away, but um, <laughs> otherwise it's too much information. But that's, that's uh, something that we all feel. How many people felt that when you went to the difficult person? Yeah, like all beings are owners of their actions, you know. You're going to get yours, that kind of thing. So there you have to be really careful that you're, you are inclining your mind towards compassion as well as um, equanimity. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's just in the silent tone of your voice. Yeah, and you you have an understanding that um, the suffering that that being will continue to have if those actions continue, they'll continue to have suffering. You know, and that's when we really open our hearts, we feel compassion for that, even for those that we're not getting along with. Or at least we can go towards that. So if it brings up that kind of feeling for you and you can't infuse it with compassion, then stay away from that phrase. Use a phrase that this is how it is for you in your life right now. Yeah, that's let you you know your heart's more settled around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time uh, holding on to visualizations of the people for very long. It seems like they, you know, I feel like that. Like maybe I'm being selfish, or like my my attention isn't you know in the recent concentration practice or something. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's normal for that to happen. Just bring it back. It's the concentration is just bringing the attention back to the same subject matter in this case. So when you notice the attention go away, 
bring it back again and just continue to think about it, to reflect on it. Even for me, you know, the attention goes away and I, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be thinking about. And then I ponder more on something I remember about that person, about their situation, or maybe an interaction that we had, or maybe I hear words that were said, or like that. Mm -hmm. But if you feel done with it, if you feel finished with it, it's okay. Just go on to the next person. But in time, you know, you say, maybe I need more concentration. This is the concentration practice. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) All these Brahma Viharas are concentration practices where when we, you know, we ponder on something, the subject matter of metta about a certain person, we ponder on that and the mind flits off, then we come back. And then we go to the phrase of metta or equanimity and we say the phrase and the mind goes off, then we come back. And sometimes it's not the phrase or, the, or what we're pondering on, it's uh, maybe there's a sense of metta or a sense of equanimity and we touch into that and the mind goes away, then comes back. We bring it back, yeah. So it's just that gentle bringing it back, just in a gentle way. Yeah. Okay. One last one. Well, when I think about this, it's like you've given me an infinite task. Do you, do you, I mean, there, there's so many people in the world that you know that you know need your compassion, need your. Uh huh. How do you resp- how do you respond to that? I take one person at a time. <laughs> yeah, or one situation at a time. If you feel overwhelmed, you know, then come back to something that's simple for you. Yeah. And if you, if you are feeling that way, it, it's a good reason to, to do the practice, you know, to really um, keep it simple and do for those, your loved ones nearby, for yourself, for a difficult person. That's why they say that these practices of the Brahma-viharas, they're illimitables. They're, they're named as illimitable, described or defined as illimitable in the Abhidhamma, in the Buddhist psychology, and not sure about the suttas, but because there is an unlimited amount of compassion, equanimity, metta, and sympathetic joy that we can develop because there is an unlimited amount of beings. And maybe that's what your mind was tuning into. You know, so these things have no limit to uh, their, our capacity to develop them in our hearts. Okay, so thank you for your practice.